0: Thank you for tuning into our podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to know when lives are impacted. And if that is you, please shoot us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the message. Beginning a brand new series of messages today called Make Room for a Miracle. And I actually had somebody say to me yesterday, hey, what's this series about? I am really kind of intrigued by it. And my heart for the series is that God would use it to build faith in your life, that that faith would rise up within you. Uh, I think if there's some things that you've been believing God for, things that you want to see God do, you have some needs in your life. That's what this series is about. You're going to learn to believe that God can move in your situation. Now you might be wondering why that's even important. And one thing I want you to know is that if you are a Christian, if you're somebody who's wanting to learn to live according to the Bible. Living by faith is a very fundamental part of Christianity. It's the way that we come into relationship with God. Scripture says it's by grace that you're saved through faith. Then it talks about the same way you receive Christ, so walk in him. Hebrews 11.6 says without faith it's impossible to please God. Galatians 3.11 says that the just shall live by faith. Second Corinthians 5.7 says that we walk by faith and not by sight. It's fundamental to Christianity. But there might be some of you here, and maybe you're not a Christian, and you're thinking, what does this series have to do with me? Why should I care? First of all, can I just say, thank you for being here. Man, if you're here, and and you're just kind of checking this church thing out, I'm so glad that you felt comfortable enough to come to this place. I want you to know that we designed this church with you in mind and that the whole reason we started this church is really because I had a lot of friends that didn't feel like they could ever go to church, and I wanted them to know that God loves them, that God cares about their life, that the Bible's relevant to what they're going through. And So maybe you're here and you're like, man, I'm not a Christian, but I just kinda wanted to check this out. Here's what I would tell you. I want you to view this entire series, what we're gonna look at over the next several weeks, I want you to view it through the lens of your greatest need. Whatever that need is in your life, and I don't know what brought you to church today, maybe you have a relational need, maybe you have a financial need, emotional need, maybe it's you're trying to figure out life and trying to get direction, whatever that need is, view this series through that lens, and you're going to see God speak to you concerning your situation. It's really this question that I want to deal with, what are you believing God for? And you might be like, well, pastor, I'm not, I'm not really believing God for anything. Can I tell you, if that's the case, man, we need to hang out a little bit more. Because I got a lot of stuff I'm believing God for. I'll just give you some of mine, right? You can use your free time believe God for those things. But the truth is, God wants more, has way more for you than to just be living a job, working a job, and, you know, save up, buy a big house, put money away. There's nothing wrong with any of that, but God wants to use you. He wants to use you to make a difference right here in the city, in your family, with your circle of friends. He wants to use you to change lives. He's got a purpose for your life. It's a great plan. And within that, uh, whatever it is that you're believing God for, that's what I want you to keep in your heart. That's what I want you to keep at the forefront of your mind. And I believe in miracles. That's one thing you should know about your pastor. I believe in God is in the miracle-working business. I believe he still works miracles. I believe that God heals. Not just like he'll heal your headache or, or if you have a cold, but I believe he heals cancer. I believe he heals barren wombs. I believe that he heals brains and he heals hearts and he heals skin diseases and heals infirmities. I believe that God brings freedom, like real freedom. Like this is not really a popular thought, but I believe that you can actually be free. Like, you don't just have to learn to cope. Like, this, you're just going to live with this for the rest of your life. I'm always going to have to deal with this, and I'll learn to manage it. No, I believe you can actually be free. You can be free from your addiction. You can be free from your anxiety. You, you can be free from your shame, free from your past, free from anger, free from worry, free from fear. We, we, we serve a God... I, I believe in resurrection. I mean, we serve a God of resurrection. And he's still in the resurrection business. He revives dead relationships. He revives dead churches. He, he revives dead businesses. He revives dead dreams. And so whatever that is, that thing that you want to see God do, whatever that need is, whatever you're believing God for, that's what I want you to have in your heart. That That's what... We're going to see God do. Whatever it might be, God's going to do it in your life. And write it down, put it on your fridge, keep it in front of you as we go through this series, because I believe you're going to see God work a miracle in your life. But before God can work a miracle in your life, we first have to make room in our heart. That's this whole series in a sentence. And we're going to learn to make room by looking at different miracles every week and what we're going to see is that whenever God moves, that God wants us to first make room. And the miracle we're going to look at today, it's really one of my favorite least known miracles. The, the reason I say least known is because when you think of miracles in scripture, like you, you think of, like there's some famous ones, right? There, there's the parting of the Red Sea. Like that's the, one of the most epic ones. Everybody thinks of that. There's, I, I like Joshua, And the story of Jericho, how the walls fall down and they didn't even fight the battle. Like, that's amazing. There's some great miracles. Maybe think of Jesus and how he healed blind eyes and opened deaf ears. Maybe you think of Peter walking on the water. There's a lot of great, famous miracles. This one is not so famous. This is not the one people usually preach about. This one, you might have even grown up in church and you have never heard this miracle. But it's one of my favorites because... It's kind of, it's, it's almost ironic because whenever I think of God working in somebody's life, moving in somebody's life, I think like God's going to do that for the good people. Like God's going to do that for the super Christians, the super spiritual people, you know, the people that are spending hours in prayer and always reading their Bible and they can quote scripture. Like those are the people that God's going to work a miracle for. But in this story, it's not really the case. Like, like the people that God does something for, they're not even really serving God. Like, you've you've got these kings, right? And um, two of the kings are the kings of Israel. You might be like, how are there two kings of Israel? Because they divided, like the nation was divided. (laughs) They they were fighting. So you've got these two kings they are divided. One of them is King Joram. Joram was not really serving God. In fact, the whole reason he's in this story is he wants to retaliate against some people that he didn't like that did something to him. So he's like, well, I'm going to get even. And then you've got... This prophet who comes on the scene, and Joram doesn't really like this prophet either, doesn't respect him. And then, like, this prophet, he doesn't really like Joram. And so, like, you've got, like, all these people just kind of fighting with each other. And in the middle of it, God shows up and says, I'm still going to work a miracle because my miracle working power is based off of my goodness, not your goodness. You can't earn it. And I'm going to help anybody that's going to call out to me in their time of distress. And that's what happens. So let put that in mind. I want to look at the scripture today in 2 Kings chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 9, and then we're going to pray, and we'll get into this message. But 2 Kings 3 verse 9, it says, So King Joram and the kings of Judah and Edom set out, and after marching seven days, they ran out of water. There was none left for the men or the pack animals. In verse 10, it says, We're done for, King Joram exclaimed. The Lord has put the three of us at the mercy of the king of Moab. Now, that's not true, by the way. They put themselves in this situation. They're not even serving God, but I don't know, isn't it so convenient sometimes how when things aren't going well, it's so easy for us to blame God? I mean, we don't think anything about giving him the credit when things are good, but the moment things go bad, it's like, God, why are you letting this happen? Why are you putting me in this situation? God, I need your help. What? Why is this happening? So that's what they're saying, and king Jehoshaphat, he was a king that he started out serving God. At this point, he's not really serving God, but he's like, hey, isn't there a prophet? I mean, if you're saying this is God's fault, then let's consult the Lord. Let's see what he has to say about it. And this officer speaks up and he says, well, there's Elisha, the son of Shaphat. He's here. He was Elijah's assistant. And King Jehoshaphat's like, oh, I've heard of him. He's the real deal. He's a true prophet. So the three kings went to Elisha. I want to stop there and pray, and I'll break out more of the story as we get into it. But I'm calling this message today, if you're taking notes, Faith That Works. Faith That Works. How many of you would like to have a faith that works? Where when you believe God, you know that you're going to see those answers happen. Well, we're going to learn how that happens today. I want to pray. It's always my custom. And I am just asked that you bow your head with me and receive what God wants to impart to you today. God, we thank you so much for your word, for your truth. God, I ask that you would use me today to speak and that as I speak, it'd be your words that go forth. Speak to people's hearts. God, talk to them about what they're facing, what they're dealing with. Only you can do that, and I believe you will. I thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that can say amen. How many of you have ever been in a desperate situation? Ever been in a desperate situation? For me, it's bedtime. Bedtime at my house. I'll tell you why. Because uh, bedtime is like a whole ordeal. Uh, all the parents know what I'm talking about. I've actually lost count of how many steps are involved in bedtime. Uh, and and it, it starts out usually with, uh, w- with the bath. Some of you are like judging me so hard right now. I love my kids. I just love them better when they're sleeping, okay. Yeah. Um, the sooner they go to bed, the sooner I can have fun with their mom. So um, <laughs> like watch a movie or something. So, uh, so uh, the first is bath time, right? And and bath time, like that, <laughs> like that 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 is, you know, there's splashing, there's water all over the place. I have four kids. I'm talking with Pippa, my my youngest now. She's three years old. And you know, the problem with bath time isn't so much getting them clean. It's what happens afterwards because it's nudity. Like like forget the fact, Pippa just wants to air dry, just run around, and you know, she gets it from her mom, and it's um. <laughs> Forget the fact that, like, I brought the towel and pajamas in, like, to, to get her dressed. But no, she's not. She's going to run around naked. And it's like, you know, can you get this under control? So I, like, put on your pajamas, girl. Like, put on your pajamas. Like, I don't know how. I, I need your help. I'm, there, are, there are two holes, and you have two legs. If you can't figure this out, we are not setting you up for success in life. So um, after I spank her... I'm just kidding. I don't do that. Uh, after I, I, mangle her to get her pajamas on, then there's like, uh, brushing the teeth. And usually I skip this part, especially if Marissa's out of town, cause I'm like, they're going to fall out anyway. So why, do, why do we need, why, why do we really need to do this? You know, but, um, so, you know, like we'll brush your teeth, but then it's like, well, I need a snack. And then it's like, you got to rebrush your teeth cause they just had a snack. So that's the whole thing. And, and after that, uh, usually uh, there's probably a few steps I'm forgetting, but then there's like, she's like, oh, I need a story. I need a story. And, and by this point, I'm so exhausted. I'm like, okay, well, you get to choose. I'll pray for you or I'll read you a story. God's blessing or your entertainment. Like you you decide. <laughs> Remember, you are a pastor's kid. So choose wisely. And um, <laughs> so i to just mix the two. I'm not even like last night she brings me this whole big, it's like the whole movie of Frozen in a book. And I'm just like skipping pages, you know, I'm just making stuff up and uh, wrapping a little bit in there. You know, just all sorts of things. Um, but the, so so I go through this whole thing and they still don't want to go to bed. A- and after you get the, white, the, the right like equilibrium of like temperature and covers to clothes and lighting and all of this kind of stuff, you think you're home free. And you crack the door, so there's like a little bit of light, all that kind of stuff. You get in bed, and you hear the inevitable last-ditch effort to stay awake. I need some water. <laughs> I need some water. It's kind of like what's going on in the story, honestly. It's like this last-ditch effort. <laughs> they, they, they've tried everything else, and they're finally here, and they need some water. And... Uh, you know, the, the funny thing is about being in a desperate situation is it'll cause you to look for help in places you wouldn't normally look. Uh, that's that's a good thing. And maybe that's what brought you to church today. Maybe you've tried everything else and you're here because you need some help today. The great thing about the story is that God will help you. Doesn't matter what your life is like. Doesn't matter how good you've been. Doesn't matter everything else you've tried. If you will cry out to God in your moment of need, God will Help you. He hears you and he'll help you. The context is, see, you got these kings. King of Israel is wanting to prove a point to the nation of Moab. And so he calls his buddies. He calls king of Judah. He calls the king of Edom. He's like, hey, I need you to help me. Let's go show these guys what's up. And this will be easy victories, three against one. But how many of you know that just because you have a great plan, things don't always go as planned? So, so, so sometimes things don't happen as you expect. So it should have been easy. should have been an easy victory. They thought they had this situation on lockdown. Now they find themselves in a situation where they need God to show up. And part of the reason is Moab was 90 miles away. They actually talked amongst themselves. They're like, hey, uh, which way do you want to go? Like, we could take this route. We could take this route. They're like, hey, let's just go through the wilderness. It'll be a little bit faster. Let's go through the desert, and we'll get there. And it's an easy victory anyway. Apparently, somebody forgot to bring water supplies. They run out of water, and now they're like, God, we need you, to, why did you do this? We need your help. That's when they start calling out, is there a prophet, any prophet in the house? And this guy, we don't even know who he is, he speaks up. It's like, yeah, um, there's a guy around here. His name is Elisha, son of Shaphat, and, uh, you know, he was Elijah's assistant. They might not understand what's happening, but they're kind of like, They're disrespecting him. It's it's like you know they're putting a little dig in there. It's like, is there a prophet? Well, I wouldn't say he's a prophet. I mean, he's Elijah's assistant. Will that work? No. (laughs) Like you might not know Elijah. Elijah was the man. Elijah was the greatest prophet in Israel. Uh, Elijah made things happen. Like he could. He just like like he one time he said, hey, it's not going to rain, and it stopped raining. And then later it's like, it is going to rain. And it did rain. Like he just, he had this ability to just make things happen. But they're like, uh, I mean, it's Elisha, you know, like, ha, have you ever had somebody like, disrespect? Like, ah, uh, he's not a real prophet. He's not a real, he's not, not it's, it's, I, I wouldn't go that far. Well, that makes it sound like they're settling. But you got to remember, like up to this point, like Elisha has been doing some stuff like elisha's got three miracles under his belt uh elisha he he's part of the water he's part of the river Jordan I and mean, that's pretty it's no red sea but like that's pretty impressive and uh that was the first one you know like just starters and uh then there was this other one um he he restored the entire economy of a nation that there was uh Jericho you've heard of Jericho well the people living there the water was toxic and since there's an agricultural society. It messed up everything. Well, Elisha comes in, he throws some salt on the water, heals the waters, brings back the economy. That's a big deal. So, I mean, he's got some stuff under his belt. He's parted the Jordan. He's restored the economy of a nation. And uh, there's also this one time, like he called out some bears and they mauled some teenagers. So, um, I'm not making that is in the Bible. Like that is real. That's why you should read your Bible and never make fun of somebody who's bald because you don't know like how much faith they have and how close bears are. So uh, Elisha like, you know, he's just, he, he's got some stuff, but they're like, oh, I wouldn't say that he's a real prophet. I mean, he, I guess he was Elijah's assistant, will that do? But Jehoshaphat, because he's, you know, he's heard of him before. It's like, oh yeah, he's a real deal. I know him, Let, let's go see him. So they go to Elisha. Now the funny thing is, As you may have picked up, Elisha is a little bit of a hothead. Like, you know, he's got kind of an attitude. And he cops an attitude with them. So they go to Elisha like, hey, we're in this situation. We need your help. And then he says, verse 13, why should I help you? (laughs) Like, you're coming to me? You're not even serving God. Oh, you want to call to God now? How convenient. And then, you know, the king of Joram speaks up and he's like, He's like, "No, we need your help." It's like, "No, you want my help? Why don't you go consult your mom's prophets? Go consult your dad's prophets. Like that's what you should do." Now, you might not pick up, but he's like saying, "This is like your mama in biblical terms." It's like, "Yeah, go your mama's prophets and your daddy's just like all sorts of stuff, but" Jerome's like, "No, we need your help." "But this is God's fault." And he says, "Oh, really? Well, let me tell you something. Like" by the living Lord, whom I serve. Like, I'm serving him, you're not. Another little dig, you know, just kind of going back and forth, these these little digs going on. He says, I swear that I'd have nothing to do with you if I didn't respect your ally, King Jehoshaphat. Now, can you picture this? Have you ever had somebody say to you, like, I don't even respect you. Honestly, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for your ally. But because I do respect, like, I'm here, so I tell you what, I'm going to, I'll go to God on your behalf. And so, and so, so that, that's, that's what he does. Next thing he says, now give me a musician. This guy's like, what, what is he doing? This is like the strangest request in the world. Yeah, I'll help you. Now give me some, I need some background music for this, all right. And we'll watch God work like you need to set the mood. And uh, it's funny because in one translate, you see it in the next verse, it says, so Musician played his harp. One translation says, bring me a harpist. It's like, I want you to get the least portable instrument of all time. <laughs> Find somebody who's good at playing it. Then we'll see if God's in the business of working on your behalf. It's just like trolling them. But uh, that's, that's Elisha for you. And uh, it might seem like a strange request, but actually this was something that prophets did all the time. Uh, because there really is something to set in the environment. That's why church is better when you lean in. That's why church is better when you take notes. That's why church is better when you clap, when you laugh at my jokes, when, when you engage with the message. Church is better when you lean in because the environment has a lot to do with allowing God to move. So it's like, hey, bring me a harpist, give me a musician, I need some mood music for this. And just a side note, you wanna grow? in your prayer life, you want to grow in your faith, you want to grow in your relationship with God, you want to connect with God a little easier, put on some worship music. You don't just need to pray in silence. Set the atmosphere a little bit. Put, Put on some worship music. I do this every time before I come out and speak to you. I'm listening to some worship music. I'm asking God to move. I'm asking God to speak through me. I'm asking God to breathe on this word. There's something about, Music that kind of brings us into God's presence. And that's what Elisha has going on. And as the harpist begins to play, says the power of the Lord came on Elisha. And the kings are thinking, man, this is good. Like you can sense God showing up. God is in this place. They're thinking God is going to move. God is going to give us a word. We're going to be encouraged. It's miracle working powers here. We're about to get the answer that we've prayed for. God is moving in this place. They're, they're waiting for it. God, what are you going to say? And it says, This is what the Lord says. Dig ditches all over this dry steam bed. Dig ditches? Have you not been paying attention? Like, we need some water here. <laughs> Dig ditches. God, I thought you were going to make it rain. I thought thought like like the the atmosphere was going to change. I thought you were going to give me something like a promise. You want me to dig some ditches? Now we're talking about a faith that works. And what I want you to see is that a faith that's effective is a faith that's active. You want God to move, God's going to give you an instruction and i spent all this time laying out the context because in the time i have left i want to give you three things that are going to help you apply this series and this message to your life and the first thing i see is that you know many times we want god to move many times we're asking for god to do something miraculous but many times we miss the miraculous because the instruction seems ridiculous. God says, I'm going to answer you. I'm going to show up. I've heard your prayer. Hey, I, I know you're in need right now, but I need you to do something for me. I need you to create a structure that is going to hold the blessing that I pour out. Because... If you don't build something to contain what I want to give you, you're going to turn a blessing into a curse. And I can't move in your life until you create some space for me to move. God's first instruction was not to pray. God's first instruction was not to fast. God's first instruction was not to repent. No, God's first instruction was to get a shovel And start digging. And I guess what I want to help you understand is lots of times, faith feels ridiculous. Faith always feels ridiculous when you're in the middle of it. Faith feels foolish when you're doing it. A a faith that moves mountains. a, A faith that brings miracles. Feels foolish. It always feels ridiculous until it works. It, it always feels foolish until God moves. It doesn't make, I mean, it doesn't make any sense to dig a ditch when you're in the middle of a desert and what you need is water. Until it rains. Then you look like a genius. But it doesn't feel that way in the middle of it. Now bear in mind, these guys were not farmers. They're soldiers. They're not good with a shovel. They're good with a sword. But what God says is I want you to do something that's a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit outside your comfort zone, a little bit awkward. You're not going to be used to it, but that's what I want you to do because the essence of faith is not trusting in your ability. It's trusting in God's ability. See, it's it's not about, it would have made sense if God said, hey, sharpen your sword. I go, yeah, God, that makes sense because we're going to go in and fight battles and you know we need to make sure that we're ready. And I know you're going to do your thing, but, yeah, we got to do what we know to do, and and we're good with swords. No, it's not about your ability. It's about trusting in God's ability. Can you imagine how crazy this must have looked? Because they're on the edge of Moab. That's why they're in a desperate situation. They're there. They're ready to go in, but they know if they don't get water, like, they're going to be wiped out. They're going to be dehydrated. They're going to, what should have been an easy victory, they're going to be decimated. So they need water. So Moab is on the horizon, and Moab is looking out it's like, why, why are all those guys digging ditches? I mean, don't they, know, don't they know that this is a desert? Don't they know that this is a wilderness, that it doesn't rain here? And I think what trips us up is that many times we're praying for God to do something miraculous but we're expecting God to do it in an ordinary way. Like, imagine this, right? These guys are saying, Elisha, we need your help. We need God to move. He's like, okay, here's what you need to do. You need some water, dig a ditch. Okay. I see where you're going with this. And um, I'm not saying it's dumb. I'm just saying, like, we're in a desert. And uh, you know, like it's hard to dig when like the ground is all dry. Like this is not the easiest thing in the world. So, if I start seeing some clouds form, um, if I start feeling a little mist, a little dropping of water, then I will start digging. How's that sound? But you can't wait till it starts raining to dig a ditch. By that point, it's going to be too late. And I think many times we're waiting on God to do something. And God's waiting on us. Look at what this says. He says in verse 17, Hey, even though you will not see any rain or wind, this stream bed will be filled with water. And you and your livestock and your packing will have plenty to drink. And then he he goes on in the next verse. He says, And this is an easy thing for the Lord to do. This is easy. Can I just tell you, whatever it is that you're believing God for, it's an easy thing for God to do. It's not hard, but he wants you to act first. And the reason he wants you to act, you got to get this, is because God doesn't want to do something for you. He wants to do something with you. God is into partnership. It's one of the mysteries of God, is that God can do whatever he wants to do, but he chooses to do it, through you, and He chooses to do it through because He wants you to be part of the miracle working process. All the promises in Scripture—you look at them—all all, like it's always, "If you will, I will; if you will, I will; if you'll do this, I will do this." And it's not because God is some kind of weird "I need this tip for tat" kind of thing. No, it's because God wants to partner with you. Look at Jesus. Whenever Jesus would heal people, he'd say, your faith has made you well. Really? Like, my faith? Because if you're going to ask me, like, what the split is on this, I mean, I'm saying my part is very little. Like, it's 99.999999999% God being God and Jesus being Jesus, right? And zero point zero 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 one percent my faith. But God desires that. He he wants you to be part of the miracle working process. Because think about this. Does God need them to dig a ditch? God, the creator of the universe, does he need them to dig a ditch? No, he doesn't need them. God can put a whole ocean there if he wants to put an ocean. But he asks them to dig a ditch because he wants them to be part of the miracle. He doesn't just want to do something for you. He wants to do it with you. That's why Paul calls us fellow workers with Christ. We are God's co-laborers. It means you're working side by side. So God always asks people throughout the whole Bible to be part of his plan. He He asks Noah to build a boat. He asked Moses to stretch out his staff. He asked Joshua to take a walk. He asked Peter to take a step. Because God wants you to be part of it. And it's easy. (laughs) And then he says, oh, I'll also give you the victory. Like the whole reason you're here, I'll give you that too. And so many times we're waiting on God to do something, but he's waiting on us to do something. It's like, God, I I wish you'd help me get over this breakup. Because, you know, like you keep... Looking on your ex's Insta and just see what they're doing, and God's like, uh, "Here's a ditch I want you to dig. Unfollow, like delete that app. Like that might be a good ditch to start." God, I want you to move in my finances. Okay, here's now. I, I know this is gonna sound ridiculous, but I want you to trust me with the first and the best. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous, but we a lot of times miss the ridiculous, miss the miraculous, because it sounds ridiculous. God, I want you to do something in this relationship. I, I want you to restore what was lost and broken. He says, okay, um, I can do that, but I need you to actually go to that other person that you're not praying about and that bitterness that you've been holding on to and forgive them. That's the ditch that I want you to dig. But God, that's not even connected to this. Yeah, but I want you to do that because I I want you to have part of this miracle. See, God's going to do something in your life, but he's waiting on us first. And here's what I've learned, that if we show our faith, God will show his faithfulness. If we show our faith, God will show his faithfulness. If you do what you can do, God will do what only he can do. But I want you to see something about the faithfulness of God. Because I've I've read this story countless times. Like I said, one of my favorite, least famous miracles in the Bible. But I I saw something as I was preparing this week. Never even considered this before. Because it says, I want you to notice, like verse 16, 17, 18. It's like, okay, dig a ditch. You got to do your part. God's going to do something miraculous. He's going to show up. He's going to do amazing things. All this great stuff is going to happen. It's it's an easy thing for God. And then verse 20 says, the next morning, at the time of the regular morning sacrifice, water came flowing from the direction of Edom and covered the ground. What does that mean? It means they went to bed without their miracle. So I said, if you show your faith, God is gonna show his faithfulness. But sometimes you might dig a ditch and you have to wait till morning. Now, now picture this. you got to see yourself in the Bible, right? They're in need. They need water. And they call in Elisha. Elisha says, God is going to show up, dig a ditch. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll dig. And the sun's out. It's beating down on them. They're digging. They're sweating. They're dehydrated. They're digging all day because it says make this valley full of ditches night comes they're having dinner no water yet like hey hey elisha when did you say this water was coming well god didn't tell me that part he just said dig a ditch because see god will give you enough to activate your faith but he's not going to give you so much that you don't need to trust him He's not going to give you so much that you don't need to. He's never going to put you in a position where you don't need him. Because if he just told you the way everything is going to play out, that wouldn't require any faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he's going to tell you something that's going to activate your faith, but he's not going to tell you so much that you don't still need to trust him. He told Joseph, he's like, hey, here's a dream. It's an awesome dream. You're going to lead a nation. It was great. But he didn't tell Joseph, oh, by the way, there's a pit. And there's a prison and there's some pain involved, and it's gonna be like 40 years, it's gonna be a long time. But hey, don't worry about it. It's gonna no, he didn't tell them any of that. So they dug a ditch and they're waiting. And I want to tell you that when you show your faith, God will show his faithfulness, but sometimes you gotta wait till tomorrow. And so if God's giving you an instruction and you've been obedient, here's what I want to tell you, rest, sleep on it, sleep on it. That's why I love that song we were singing, what it say, I'm going to rest. Because there are some times where you're digging, and you've been obedient to what God has called you to do, and the only thing next for you to do is to rest if you've been obedient to what God has asked you to, if you've done something ridiculous and you still haven't seen it, then rest. Because while you're resting, God's working. While you're sleeping, God's working. It's not gonna happen in the way you expect. It's not gonna happen in a natural way. It's not gonna happen where you see all these things. It's not gonna make sense. It seems a little ridiculous. But if, if you will show your faith, God will show his faithfulness.